So right now, there are well over 7 billion people on planet Earth. That's, that's a lot of people. And so it's really impressive to me, if I think about it, kind of like philosophically, that there are some names that we just know. Like, like most people in the world, or a lot of people just know these names because there are these few people that of the billions of people who have lived, they rise to the top of the list. Like, let me give you some examples. I got some pictures on the screen here. Like, here, here's one who's made a pretty big difference, pivotal person. You ever heard of Alexander the Great? This is actually his uh, senior picture. I don't know. We didn't have a real photograph. We had to go with the painting. Uh, Alexander the Great. This guy was a pivotal person in the history of the world. The dude reshaped the world as he knew it. And today, though he built an empire that eventually grew and transitioned and what it became, the Roman Empire and all kinds of things. He brought Greco-Roman thought uh, to the Eastern world, like a crazy thing. He only lived to be 32 years old. Can you, like, that's incredible that in the short life that he lived, and we're still talking about him today, and he shaped a lot of the political atmosphere that we, pivotal, perf, pivotal person, uh, maybe you don't know him. Here's another guy, you probably won't recognize his yearbook photo, but have you ever heard of Johannes Gutenberg? All right, here's a pop quiz. If you don't get this right, you have to go back to high school, okay? What is he famous for? Printing press. Somebody said the cotton gin. That was Eli Whitney, I think. Printing press, the printing press, yeah, okay. Before Johannes Gutenberg, we are hand copying everything that we want to mass produce. And so books were very scarce and people were illiterate and this dude changed the world by making it possible to print books. Pivotal person, you see what I mean? Billions of people, but like one person can raise up and do something and it changes everything. This is one of my favorites. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, but maybe you know what some of the things he's done. You ever heard of Archimedes of Syracuse? This is one of my personal favorite historical figures, and maybe you have or haven't heard of Archimedes. I encourage you to at least check out his Wikipedia page. Wow, okay, this guy, he basically invented or explained, really, everything that we know about math and geometry and physics, like genius. He lived in the 200s BC, but in his lifetime, he accurately estimated the circumference of the earth. You wanna know how he did it? Not with a spaceship, not with Google Earth, no, with some sticks and some shadows, and he paid a guy to count off the number of steps between like two cities, and then he did the math. Yeah, pivotal person, not only that, that's not what he most contributed, he also kind of discovered the principles of the lever and the pulley. Every machine and motor and mechanical thing that we have today has this guy, Archimedes of Syracuse, to thank for pivotal person. I could go on and on. I could geek out about these kind of people all the time. We've got, you know, the Benjamin Franklins and the Isaac Newtons. And then you can step into different categories. Like last week, we celebrated this next guy, Martin Luther King Jr. Pivotal person. The landscape of our entire culture changed. And, and he was a part of a huge group doing civil rights movement at the time. But, you know, he really rose to the top as a spokesperson for many of the things. And, and, and uh, particularly as I had a dream speech. Just think about the, the world, how it shifted. A pivotal person. And then there's other categories. Can you imagine a world without personal computers or smartphones? And you've got like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, pivotal people. How about William Shakespeare? How about Michael Jordan? How about the Beatles? Okay. So you get the point. I won't keep going and going as much fun as that would be. Uh, pivotal people, billions of people live on the planet, but one person can raise up and make a huge difference. And this list of people can be pretty long. Today, what I want to talk about is pivotal people. 
but not the kind that make it into history books and not the kind that break world records. I'm talking about the pivotal people in your life, the pivotal relationships that you form that begin to shape who you are. And so that's kind of the setup for where we're going. We're in week three of this teaching series that we're calling Jumpstart, Five Catalysts for Growing Your Faith. And we've been asking this simple question, how do I become a person of unshakable faith? I hope that's a goal for all of us, maybe most of us, some of us. How do I become a person of unshakable faith? Especially when life gets hard because we see these people in our life and there's some of you in this room that I really admire and I look up to and we go, how is that person able to have such faith and carry through life? And so this guy, I mentioned him before, his name's Andy Stanley. He's a preacher down in Georgia. He did some research and, 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 and talked to a lot of people with very strong faith. And, and one, theme, one thing he found common was that among these people uh, who have strong faith, there are five principles that tend to rise to the top for all of them, or most of them, and these five principles become catalysts for growing their faith. And so that's kind of been the, the guide of our series. Let's look at these five things. Last week we looked at the first one, uh, and the very first one was the idea, the catalyst of practical teaching. And as Jesus said, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice are like someone who builds their life on a rock. And so we said we need to hear God's word. We need to put ourselves in environments that we get to hear his word, whether we're reading the Bible or listening to sermons or going to accountability groups or listening to podcasts or whatever we're doing. And we need to practice, 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 practical teaching. That's the first catalyst. And hopefully that can help you grow a little bit in your faith. And today we're looking at the second one and I've already said it, but here's our, our big principle, our big catalyst, pivotal relationships, pivotal relationships. I mentioned a bunch of people before who were pivotal in history for various reasons, and of the billions of people who've lived on the planet, these few have risen to the top. But a pivotal relationship is more personal than just being a pivotal person. And you have these people in your life. They're, they're the people who, uh, they really changed you. And, like, and sometimes very quickly. Like you met them, they shifted something in your brain or in your heart, and it changed you. Maybe a spouse, maybe a teacher, maybe a leader. And so that's where we're kind of going to kind of go today. And, and I want to look into the Bible for that. A lot of times we'll look at a big chunk of Scripture and we'll break down the whole thing. Today we'll actually be in several different places throughout the Bible. So if you've got one, a Bible, go ahead and grab it, open it up. We give away free Bibles every week. There's a gray shelf by the front door there. If you want to go grab one now or get one before you leave, feel free to do that. Everyone needs a really good readable version of the Bible, and that's a gift to you. Um, but the words will be on the screen behind me as well. We're gonna be looking at a passage, first of all, in Proverbs chapter 27, but the great King Solomon, he's a king of Israel, and he kind of gonna lay the foundation for us this morning. This becomes, it's a life verse for some people. Uh, if Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, check this out, the concept of pivotal relationships. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's a metaphor. I don't know if you've ever watched a blacksmith work. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I, I mean, they, they, they heat the metal up and they hammer it and they do, I'm not a blacksmith, I don't know all the things, but I've watched it and I'm like, wow. And like a really skilled blacksmith, the, the, the skill that they bring to the table is this. They can take a raw material, a metal or an alloy of metals, and they can form it into pretty much anything. It's incredible. And some really utilitarian, practical things, uh, maybe, maybe a coat hanger or a frying pan, you know, or maybe really beautiful things like a piece of art or a piece of jewelry. And so this idea of iron sharpening iron kind of brings this imagery to mind of a blacksmith hammering on, on metal. Uh, Mark Moore, who's an author, he wrote a book called Core 52. Dr. Moore says this kind of around the same lines. He says, all of us, 
are the sum of our relationships. Though our characteristics are unique, our character is forged on the anvil of our community. So I wanna, I wanna put this picture of a, a blacksmith shop in your head today. And I wanna first of all congratulate you all because you are all anvils. <laughs> And the people in your lives are the anvils. And though God is, I, I, you know, to stretch the metaphor, maybe God is, is the blacksmith and he brings the heat to the table. He actually provides the raw material. He puts people in our lives that shape us for better or for worse. I mean, good things happen from good relationships. Bad things happen from bad relationships. We are the sum of our relationships. Our character is built on the anvil of our community or to go back to scripture as iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. That's deep. How much of your personality was shaped by someone in your life? It's very possible your best friend in high school shaped a lot of who you are today. You know, maybe it was a coach or a parent or a teacher. This is what we're talking about, pivotal relationships. Most specifically, though, when it comes to our faith. I don't think I really need to teach you that, like, having good people in your life is a good idea. Like that's not the lesson today. That's don't, don't, that is super shallow. If you don't know that, I hope, maybe you hope you will learn that today also. We need good people in our life, but it's more about the people who are gonna lead us closer to God and help our faith grow. This is a catalyst for spiritual growth. I've had several people like this in my life. And um, as I, I was thinking through the list, it was actually overwhelming this past week as I was making the list. I had to shorten it a whole lot. Uh, I was blessed to start with, with good parents. And my mom and dad, my, my mom taught me this cool song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they're weak, but he is strong. She taught me that, and I didn't even know what it meant at the time. And I was thankful, and I, and I, I, I know that I'm blessed to have had a godly mom and dad, and I understand that maybe some of you did it and some people don't, but don't, don't let that discount you because there are other people who can come in and really be pivotal. Uh, I point some other relationships. One that was really early on was my best friend in, starting in middle school, and we're still friends today, but his name was Stephen. Stephen's a good guy. He was one of those kids who always had his head on straight, uh, whereas I was constantly veering uh, both figuratively and once I got a car literally off the road. <laughs> uh, my friend Stephen was always like, hey, listen, why are you acting that way? You know, I thought you wanted to be better than that. Let's, let's, let's do this instead. Let's do a Bible study. Let's talk about what's good things. And, and I remember even pushing him away. I'm like, dude, you're so lame. Like, why are you acting this way? But then coming back later in life, going, man, I'm so glad I had this guy, Stephen. He's a pivotal relationship for me. Around that same time period, especially in high school, there was a guy at my home church that I think of. His name's Will Boykin. Some of you know Will. He was, he was very instrumental in some of us. We first began our church. He doesn't live here, but he would come down. He would just, he, uh, he supports some missions work in the Philippines. Um, but when I was in high school, Will was a young married guy with young kids, very young kids, like a baby. And he just took me under his wing and uh, would like invite me over to his house and he mentored me. And I remember there were Friday nights where like he would invite me and my buddies over for pizza and movies. And it was only when I was in like college, I was like, wait a second, you were doing that to keep us from going partying and drinking. Like that's why you were doing that. But he was pivotal because not only was he keeping us away from dangerous things, but he also was pouring into us and he would have Bible studies with us. Pivotal person. I still talk to Will today. Um, and there have been others. Of course, my, my wife has been very pivotal. I've told several parts of that story, and she was someone who really helped me to shift my brain. And there have been others, mentors. I've got a group of friends from college who are just uh, a backbone to me for my spiritual growth. And many of you in this room, these pivotal people have helped me personally with my own faith. And this is why because 
they've seen it before, like in their own life. Because they have faith, they're able to come to me and help me in my times of doubt and fear and sin and pain and guide me. And sometimes it's a gentle nudge. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a scripture verse. Sometimes it's like a straight like backhand to the side of the head. I'm ser- like literally like stop, you know? And so these people are pivotal because they're in my life and they've been there and they've got the same values and they're helping me grow. And I think that's what this iron sharpening iron thing is all about. Uh, what we're talking about here in kind of a more biblical word is discipleship. A discipleship relationship, when, in Jesus' time, a very common way uh, for, for in the Jewish culture to learn was through discipleship. And it looked like this. You would have a disciple, which is a word that means a learner or student, and that's really kind of a very loose translation. It really meant more than that. But the disciple was kind of this follower. And then you would have the rabbi, which means teacher, and Basically, the rabbi would invite the student, or sometimes the student would ask for permission to just follow him around all the time. Like in your schooling, you probably like went to class and then you left, and then you studied and you took a, went back and took a test and you got graded. Like he was like, no, no, like come walk with me. And so it's like every single part of my day. And so these, in Jesus' scenario, he, he specifically invited a group of 12 men to follow him. And he, they were with him all the time. And like they saw him when he was making his breakfast and they saw him when he was teaching and they saw him when he was happy and they saw him when he was sad and they saw him when he was frustrated and angry and they saw him when he was excited and joyful. They saw every part of that. And he was intentional about teaching them. And what happens is they got to see the full picture of what this guy Jesus believed and what, it, what he taught because they got to see it in context with the real life. That's discipleship. And I don't know that we really have like an adequate parallel for that. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say pretty boldly, we don't have an adequate parallel for that in our culture today. But it's still totally possible to have people in our lives who can come along and mentor us and we can watch them from afar because it's really important to have people to follow I think I've mentioned some people that were pivotal to me and, and, and a lot of this today is just kind of my personal testimony of how this has worked and I think a lot of you could stand up and do the same thing so that's where I'm going with this but man, there was a couple that my wife and I met. We were actually dating at the time and then we were newly wed and I've talked before about a couple we knew when we lived in Norfolk, Virginia, George and Diane Abshire and like they were a godly couple who were godly parents and they were just doing it. They were just making it happen. And what's crazy is we learned from them what it meant to be generous, what to be hospitable, how to be loving, how to be disciplinary with, with kids, how to like navigate hard relationships. We learned all of that. And, and what's crazy is we had no idea that we were being discipled. <laughs> we just saw it happening. And they invited us to our house and they shared meals with us. Over and over, and for years, we lived up there for five years, and, and I look back at that as a, a discipling relationship, and without realizing it, so much of our marriage and our life, we've been married uh, 17 years almost now, and I look at that and go, how, and we, we actually say this to each other now, and it's like, well, what would George and Diane do? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's what ironing sharpened iron looks like, being in someone else's life, and I wish that everybody could have a George and Diane in their life. And so my goal for the time we have left today is to explore, I've kind of tried to package this in hopefully a memorable way, and we've got some little note cards in the packets in your seats. Maybe you can write these down or write them in the margin of your Bible. What I'm gonna call three habits, three habits for building pivotal relationships, because I wanna do one of two things. Number one, 
you might already have some of these relationships in your life. So I want to help you recognize those. Like uh, George and Diane, I don't think we recognized it for 10 years. And we look back like, wow. You know? So I want to help you recognize those relationships and then like lean into them a little bit, number one. Or maybe two, maybe you don't have those relationships in your life. I want to assure you that's okay right now. Um, because what I hope we can talk through will help you get to a place where you can build and foster some of those relationships and be a person with growing faith. And so let's just jump into those. There's three of them. There's three of them. They're not rocket science, but it's sometimes you just gotta, you, you ever like made the, the support call to the tech guy or you talk to your buddy, you're like, it's not working, it's not working. They're like, did you plug it in? You're like, yes, <laughs> Bloop, plugged it in. So like these aren't hard things, but sometimes we just forget. And so let's just look at these. The first one is this. If we want to have these types of relationships in our life, we need to pray for pivotal relationships. I know, you're like, oh, that's, I hoped that you would say something, but I thought you'd give me an address, address or a phone number for someone I could call today. Like, no. The first step is this. We got to begin to pray. We pray for a lot of things. People do. Maybe you don't have a strong prayer life, but people pray for a lot of things. Your sick Aunt Helen or your financial situation or, or something for safety. And those are all good things. But when's the last time you prayed that God would put someone in your life. Dear God, I need to be discipled. Please send me someone that I can learn from. When's the last time you prayed for that? I wanna encourage you to do that. Begin to pray for pivotal relationships. In in, uh, Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is teaching about prayer and kind of in the tail end of that, this is what he says, and I love this because he paints God as our father. He says, which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him stone? Now, some of you dads, I know you well, and you probably would, and you would laugh about it, but then you would give your son bread, right? We're gonna care for our own kids. We're gonna take care of them. Which of you, if, you, if your son asked for bread, you would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, you'd give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, are able to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to him who asks? And, and the passage before that says, just ask for it, and the Lord will give it to you. Like, as, as long as God deems that it's healthy for you, and if we begin to ask for these things, I do believe, and there's other places we could look uh, where God is just, gives us the permission just to ask specifically for these people in our lives. Pray for pivotal relationships. And I wanna encourage you not only just to pray, but be bold about your prayer. Like, here, here's a bold one. Lord, give me the strength to ask someone for help. Help, Like, that's pretty bold. Or maybe you're a little introverted and you're like, man, I, I just can't ask. It's so hard. One, maybe try. But two, maybe you could pray, you know, God, would you maybe get someone to ask me? <laughs> I would love if you'd pray that right now. And then if after church someone's like, hey, you need to be discipled? I'd love to grab you some coffee this week. Like, I don't know. Maybe God will do those kinds of things. Pray for pivotal relationships. And then the thing about when we pray, this is short, so don't miss it. When we pray, sometimes we're bad about keeping our eyes open for the answer. I'm guilty of this. I'll pray for something, and then like six weeks later, I'll be like, you know, I'm not concerned about that thing anymore. I guess it got dealt with. And God's like, yeah, it got dealt with. Appreciate a a thank you, you know? So keep your eyes open, because if you're wanting God to send someone in your life, like, don't just let them pass by. Keep your eyes open for that. Pray for pivotal relationship. And if you're new to all this, and maybe you don't have that person in your life, maybe prayer's hard for you. Um, prayer's, prayer's simple. It's, it seems complicated, but it's really just talking to God. And also, you don't have to do it alone. Um, we have an opportunity every week after church where you can pray with someone, or maybe you wanna tap someone out and say, hey, can you help me learn to pray about this? But I wanna tell you, if you're someone who doesn't have that relationship, maybe this habit, number one, is where you can stop today. Like, because the, the next two are gonna be, if you, once you find someone, how do I build this as a pivotal relationship? But I want you to take notes because this is the thing. I believe God answers our prayers. 
So if you're going to start praying for someone, go ahead and learn these other two. Okay, this is, that's the first one, pray for pivotal relationships. Second one's this, schedule time with pivotal people. Schedule time with pivotal people. Business people do this all the time. Like, I want to start a business. Let me go meet with someone else who already started that business. Now let me learn from them. We go to conferences and we learn about leadership. We do all these things. Maybe when you were in school, you had a tutor because you weren't very good at math. And so you went to someone who was good at math and you met with them. You scheduled time with them because their time was valuable. Like they had a thing that you needed to learn from. And so you took the initiative and you scheduled time with them. It's a discipline. And I want to point this out. Discipleship and discipline come from the same root word. Discipleship is not about punishment, by the way. I mean, sorry, discipline is not about punishment. Discipline's about learning. And so whether you're disciplining your children or disciplining your body, like exercising or something, it's about learning. So discipleship and discipline, it's a habit, it's gonna take work. But we need to schedule time with these people. And it, it might seem so obvious, but I feel like, again, we miss the simple steps. You see a godly person that you could learn from. You're like, man, I would like to be like that. But you never take the time just to walk over and be like, hey, you know, could we talk sometime? I'd like to just learn from you. It's a big deal. Ask them, can we grab a cup of coffee? Can I have you over for dinner? Can I meet with you? Can we talk? And go beyond that. Can we do a Bible study? Can you begin to hold me accountable for some things? Schedule time with people. Jesus scheduled some time with some people. Uh, Actually, his disciples lived with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was a lot of scheduled time with their teacher. They got to spend some time together. But imagine the difference it would make if you spent 10 minutes a week with someone who could help you grow your faith. 10 minutes a week. In one year, that's over uh, eight hours, if I did the math right. If I didn't do the math right, don't tell me, because I don't care. But it's a lot, right? It's a lot. 10 minutes a week, and here's the thing, I'm gonna promise you this. If you skip this whole year meeting with someone, but then in December, you're like, shoot, I didn't schedule some weekly time. Hey, can we meet for eight hours and hang out? It'd be cool. You could go to Jungle Rapids and ride some rides, but you will not grow. It's that intervals and, and, and deposits over time that make the difference. You follow me? You can't make up that lost time. It's the small installments because that person gets to see you in your ups and downs and your roller coaster and all your questions. They get to see God answering your prayers and gets to see you through your struggles and your doubts. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 is pretty direct advice. It says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Schedule time with them, but don't stop reading because there's a comma. And after the comma, it says, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Maybe you need to take some fool time off your schedule. There's another sermon in that. I'm not gonna preach it. All right. I also wanna look at, look at what Hebrews chapter 10 says because this, this is key. This is beautiful. We actually looked at it with our volunteers this morning. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And so again, scheduling time with pivotal people. So we need to pray for these relationships. Pray for them. Keep your eyes open when they come in. Then schedule time with people, okay? Schedule time with people. It's simple, but it's gotta be deliberate. And then we get to our third one. Become a pivotal person for someone else. Become a pivotal person for someone else. It's amazing how often the simple teachings of Jesus are relevant uh, in our lives. And there's this passage I just wanna share with you and it's gonna be probably the 4,536th time I read this passage at our church. In fact, also I 
paraphrase it every single week at the end of our session, time together. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the idea of becoming pivotal for someone else. George and Diane were just shining light. But I saw their good deeds and it helped me give glory to God in heaven. But here's the thing. I don't want it to give us a pass. Like, okay, we get to passively shine light all the time. I'm just kind of shining my light. Shining my, and, you, and that's good. But Jesus is a little more direct when he talks about it in the end of chapter Matthew. This is Matthew 28, verse 18. This is, this is huge. Uh, we call this the great commission, okay? Matthew 28, he comes out and says it directly. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Where? Everywhere. Of all nations, baptizing them to, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's that teaching piece uh, of, of actually explaining some things. And surely I am with you always. I love this piece because even though he tells us like, go be pivotal for someone else, he's not like, oh no, no, I'm not sending you all by yourself. <laughs> I'm gonna be with you. You got questions you can't answer for them? That's fine. I'm with you and other people can help. He says, go and make disciples. Go, do it. Be a pivotal person for someone else. Our faith, our, our faith. I wanna pause my list real quick and come over here and talk about our faith. This idea of jump-starting our faith. Um, last week I talked about how to get through the storms of life because of our faith. And that's practical, isn't it? Like you have a really bad thing happen in your life and you're like, the way I made it through was my faith. But if our goal with faith is just so we can make it through hard times, I'm not sure we fully understand the value of faith. The, the, the beautiful thing about faith is this. Our faith makes God happy. It brings him joy. When you look at the great figures in the Old Testament, they didn't even know all the stuff we know about Jesus and most of the history of the, like you look at Abraham or somebody, and it's just like, just because he was willing to trust God and take him at his word and follow him, God was like, oh, that brings me so much joy. It makes me so happy. So the reason we wanna grow our faith is not just so we can like make it through hard times. We wanna grow our faith because it brings God joy. It's one of the best ways we can worship the creator is like by saying, yeah, I trust you. I'm gonna do this not because I think it's smart or because it makes sense to me or because I like it, but because you said it's true and I'm gonna follow you. And that's faith. Faith is about trust. Faith is about taking steps. Faith is about following faith. And so faith, and the thing about this faith thing, the thing about the pivotal relationships is this. When we put our faith in God, one of the biggest things, like the summary of the whole Bible, you might say it's a, a story about God's love. That's a good summary. Another story, summary for the whole Bible is this. Repent. You know the word Repent. I've said it a few times, let me, let me recap. The word repent is a word that simply means whichever direction you're headed in life, redirect your life to God. Refocus, point your life at God. And we're talking about pivot. And by the, by the way, I keep on just hearing Roscoe, pivot! Does anybody else hear that? Uh, sorry if you don't know what that is. Uh, but you got, you got this moment where you pivot your life. If someone's helping you, and what is pivoting? Repentance. Like when someone can come into your life and say, wait, 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 turn, 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 turn. There he is. There's God. Go that way. It's crucial. Um, I'm a Boy Scout leader. 
And uh, I love, we, I'm a leader for a troop here in town, love doing Boy Scouts, did it myself. Uh, seeing my son go through it right now, some of the boys in the room right here are, are some of our scouts. And one thing that we use as a teaching method in Boy Scouts is what we call the EDGE method. You ever heard the EDGE method? Any of you guys use that in your field of study? So EDGE method is an acronym, E-D-G-E, EDGE, and it's, it's an acronym where every letter means something. And I wanna walk through those because I think this is a good, memorable thing about that pivotal relationship, especially when it comes to being pivotal for someone else. Okay, it looks like this. Let's say I was going to teach you how to make a sandwich. Okay, that's my goal. I'm gonna teach you how to make the sandwich using the EDGE method. Okay, the first E is educate, educate. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you what a sandwich is. This is a sandwich, uh, people make them, uh, people eat them. You've probably seen a sandwich before. Yeah, it's called a sandwich. Okay, so I just educated you. It's the first one. This is the teaching portion. Then we demonstrate. Now, what is my goal? My goal is to teach you how to make a sandwich. But first, I'm going to say, this is a sandwich. This is what they do. Let me show you how to make one. You take a bread. You take a jelly and some peanut butter, and you, you put, it, put it together. That's how you make a sandwich. I, I demonstrate. The thing about demonstrate is show you. The third letter is G, guide. A guide is probably the most important part because here's what guide says. Guide says, now I'm going to help you make a sandwich. I'm going to make it for you this time. You're going to make it this time. Or when it comes to helping someone grow in their faith, this is when you step in and, 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 you, and you're trying to teach them how to do something that they don't already know how to do. And you say, okay, now you try. You, you try to walk this. You try to believe. You try to understand this. Now, because I'm there guiding you, it's okay if you mess up. And you tell them that. If you, you mess up this sandwich, it's fine. It's cool. We'll make another one. It's cool. If you're trying to follow God, listen, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes, but I'm right here with you. I love, by the way, that Jesus says, I will be with you too. So like, it's not just you with your friend. It's also God's presence with you. And discipleship is about guiding and, and, and discipleship can take years of guiding, guiding. But we're making a sandwich. Okay, so let's go back to our analogy. Okay, so educate, demonstrate, guide. And then this last one is another E. Enable. Enable. Enable says, now you go and do it. And I don't have to hold your hand through it this time because you've seen it done. I've helped you do it. And now you're able. And, and that's what Jesus did with his disciples. They followed him around and then he said, okay, now you go. And he allowed the student to become the teacher. And that's what he does with us. He says, go into the world and make sandwiches. <laughs> disciples. And don't worry, I'll be with you, always. The beauty of God's grace is that you can be a pivotal person for someone, even though you're still being guided yourself. Because it makes a difference that we are in this together. Pray for pivotal relationships. Schedule time with pivotal people. And then shine the light of God to the best of your ability as you seek to help to be a pivotal person for someone else. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Let's pray today.